Hello and welcome to the No Holes Barred Witchcraft podcast, currently being recorded on location, Chris. <laughs> At some cult, is that right? Technically. Technically. I'm about that today. I know, well, cults are secretive places, so the fact that you're undercover there, you know, and we are broadcasting almost live from there. Almost. Is uh, something pretty special. But anyway, so today, podcast episode name, National Grid, what's that to do with, well, all of these grid system things, Chris, I mean, I I think that there's this thing that seems to have gone over my head, I don't know when this is cropped up, but it's all about grids, and putting grids down and stuff, and Pyramids. I grew up in the 90s, and we had things like Lego, and jute plow and all that sort of stuff which is all grids and frames that you stick little bricks on and that and not i i'm thinking is this just the as above so below principle working out is this just all these kids that have played with all of these uh toys and that growing up are now trying to turn that into something magical because all i see is these like like five stings did you ever play that five stings you put all the little stings out and then you've got to throw one and then you've got to pick as many up as you can that was our crystal grids back in the day five stones no i never did that you never heard of five stones no basically you get five stones yeah. And you chuck them like you would if a room reader was chucking runes down and shit. And they go yeah. out. And then you've got one special stone. And what you have to do is throw that up in the air. And then pick up as many of those stones that are laid out as possible. And then catch that one you throw in the air. So the person that obviously picks up okay, as many so as possible and jacks. catches the one they threw wins. The jacks. I don't know what Jack says. I thought Jack's yeah. was a bar. No, you had to, um, you had these kind of like spiky little ball things. Right. Uh, little prick things. And you, you had to throw them down and then you had to uh, bounce a ball and you had to catch all the, pick up all the Jack's before you catch, before the ball hits again. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I get what you're talking about now. So Jack's crystal grids and stones, because I didn't realise that, what are they, little plastic things or something? Yeah, little, um, they were called Uh, something else as well before that. It's a really old game. Well, I didn't know that you were allowed to use plastic in magic. I thought it was all very anti-plastic. I thought you had to use the real life crystals or fake crystals at the very least. I didn't realise you were allowed to use little plastic spiky things that look like viruses and that. Um, unless the only exception, no, no, I don't mean for magic. But the only exception to using plastic in magic, from what I've understand, is offerings when you get plastic ribbons and time around the tree. But oh, yeah, yeah. I never really got that because I never really understood why you try and strangle the tree with plastic, and that's that's somehow an offering. I've never really got that one. Could you explain that one to me, the thought process behind that? Because I figured that they they were trying to, like, 
pay homage to the land spirit of the tree but maybe what they're doing is they're paying homage to a different tree and they're trying to kill off his enemies by strangling them i don't know maybe but is it not is it not hashtag all about the intention maybe 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 all of the the fact that it's plastic means they will last a thousand years so Maybe. So maybe, maybe that's what they were going Maybe your offering lasts longer because they don't want to make... If, if you go off to Glastonbury and you come from abroad or somewhere like that, you don't want to have to keep making that trip every year, do you? If you do it once and leave a plastic ribbon, that's good for a thousand years or so. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Okay, we need to get back on topic. You're doing that tangent thing again. Um, so we need to talk about grids. So is this crystal grids that I hear so much about? Well, I think it's all kind of grids. Like there's lots okay. of lots of practitioners now. Cattle grids. <laughs> They're designed to trap you. cattle, Chris. Do you see where I'm going with this? Cattle grids are designed to, to trap cattle. But what about these crystal grids and stuff? What are they designed to trap? Are they designed to trap something or are they designed to trap the person that lays them i think they're to trap the person that lays them so that they can't get uh. interfered with by other other people also aren't they power grids too don't you get those too where it's kind of like they lay them out and then they charge up the grid in in this kind of three-dimensional um metatron metatron's cube kind of shit isn't it like a bastardization oh, of that, that? They do love a Metatron's cube, don't they? So it's all it's all about the 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 copper <laughs> the copper pyramids now for directing energy down. Oh and the organite pyramids and and that what they make organite. Organite. Love a bit of organite. organite. That we can slag that off another time. So what exactly do we want to hit first? The idea of grids in general first? Yeah, probably best educate people on what the idea of grids are because I don't think I'm fully understanding myself because I thought I understood the principles having looked at it and read the energy and seen what's going on. But when I got some books from Llewellyn, you know that publishing company we like, yeah. I was a little confused. I'm not going to okay. lie. Because what, what did they say? Well, they said that you get a pretty pattern and then you put very specific pretty crystals in very specific places and then the magic happens somehow. They didn't really explain how the magic happens, but then the crystal book often doesn't explain how the magic happens. They just says something about frequency is normally the word that gets used. But any grids that I've made, I don't think I've used crystals. I think I've, I've got one crystal that's attached to a kind of a grid. But apart from that, normally I've done it with talisman, talismanic type magic before. Or maybe the carving of uh, sigils and runes and things like that. I've never really gone for this kind of the idea of the crisp the grid to me is to make something go over a bigger area whereas what i'm seeing is i'm seeing a pretty little cloth 
with a pretty little picture on and it's basically almost like a tarot spread in front of you. Oh, okay. I get what you mean. So, so yeah. what's your ideas of, of, of um, these crids, magical crids and that then? Well, a, a part of it, I think it's a messing... It's somewhere between Metacon, Metatron's cube and this idea of magic circles and ceremonial magic. So I'm used to seeing them from this point. So they're kind of uh, kind of protection barriers um, and also creating sacred space, kind of that idea of throwing down a space within a space. What I don't quite understand is when they layer grids up, other than obviously when you're talking about protecting a space, but I will talk about that separately um, because I think that's actually got a little bit more merit. But what we're talking about is kind of what the, the kind of new ages are doing and the, and the Wiccan with the grids um, which is all about creating a sacred space in which to perform a certain kind of magic so I think which you know apparently they perform magic I've not seen any but the you know there is that kind of uh, that idea of throwing down grid <laughs> you're and, such a nasty bitch <laughs> throwing, throwing down a grid and then creating a certain kind of energy within that space um, and then and then spoke sorry it was because I was reading did you see the little argument I had with somebody on the YouTube the other day about um, Scott Cunningham books? Oh. Because if you haven't seen the, um, what would Scott Cunningham use? Oh, yeah, on the Scott Cunningham use podcast on YouTube, I did see something like that flashed up that you were having an argument with some idiot. So, yeah, so I I think it's one of those, because he called them, he or she called them teachings. So, because obviously Scott Cunningham, even though half his books were written after he died, he was clearly a spiritual teacher, like Gandhi, you know, would totally put them on the same shelf. Well, he's the Wiccan Messiah, Chris. <laughs> Hashtag the Wiccan Messiah. But we haven't done that one yet, have we? we need no, to do that but then I, I was, I was going to see if we could get a real life Wiccan on the podcast to discuss it. Okay. Okay. I was going to catch real, one in the, in the wild. A real, a real one. Traditional one, a or re- actually just one of these real, people that does the plastic. A real evidence. initiated one that can trace their lineage back and stuff, because that's the legitimate ones, isn't it? Ooh. I reckon I could probably find yeah, one. Yeah, I'd like to do that. That would be fun because we could have, we can have a real conversation then. Hopefully, yeah. See if they actually know anything. So yeah, so we were talking about so grids in in that kind of sense. I think it's kind of borrowed from the New Ages and their use of creating space for like um, yoga and things like that, where they start to use them in kind of healing grids. And I think it's kind of they've taken that and then they've run with it into their own practices. And they don't seem to. I don't think they totally understand how the two in, interconnect and how you could use them. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I just don't think that how they're being used is the same as what they could be used for. So, you know, you could charge grids and systems and, you know, you could even put permanent grids down that actually interacted with ley lines. That makes no sense In order to create energy fields. You know, so kind of mimicking what's going on with, you know, sacred sites and things and, you know, if you had the right minerals involved, and I don't mean crystals, but if you had the whole minerals going on, 
um, in order to kind of recharge and redirect the energy uh, with kind of heavy metal um, stone or something like that that allowed it to kind of reverberate through. Um, you could create, obviously, we know Mr. Railroad likes his circles. Maybe he could create some kind of mega grid and get back to us. Mr. Railroad was, last time I remember, he was uh, investigating stone circles and those kinds of things. So I don't know what he's been up to with that. I think he made his own at one point during the COVID stuff. So, yeah, so making your own Stonehenge in the garden, would that be a, a class as a grid? I suppose so. It feeds in the same way, because I suppose when I see grids, I don't know about you, I think of microchips and computer motherboards rather than... Circuits, yeah. Um, Metatron's cube. I see circuits. You know, create Faraday's cages and things like that in order to literally box in a space. So, you know, if you wanted free-flowing energy then you've got to kind of be careful about how you set up a grid like that, which is where it's kind of, it's got potential, but isn't really pushing where I feel it should be pushing, or at least not in the people that I've seen. Maybe they are also doing it that way, but I doubt it. Okay, so when would you personally make a grid system and what would you possibly use it for? Because you probably wouldn't be doing it for spellcasting stuff, would you? No, so I might pop up a grid, or at least what would look like a grid, I guess, from an outside perspective, if I needed to ward a space that wasn't my own. Um, I suppose that's probably the only time I would really use it. So I suppose it's difficult to kind of bear up in mind what we're actually talking about when we do that. So, but these is the kind of, um, you know, you've got the kind of building up of these grid systems. I think is mostly taken from closer to that kind of creating permanent space, which I think is, is, the, is the iffy bit about it, is the idea of creating permanent space. Because obviously the whole idea with those would be energy would run over it. So, you know, how, how do you integrate that into a permanent space and clean it and maintain it that way? Um, particularly when you're using crystals, which obviously need to be charged and then release, charge and release, that seems really repetitive. Um, and you know what we how we feel about repetitiveness in practice. Starts to make people lazy. So kind of permanent, um, I wouldn't say charms, but permanent magical work that is kind of utility based. So I'm kind of thinking buildings have security alarms, they have fire alarms, automation that kind of thing that's really what you're talking about because you don't really have to do anything other than maintain the system so as long as you're maintaining yeah. the fire system whenever there's a fire the sensors pick it up and warn you there's a fire by setting a bell off and then calling the fire brigade so yeah most of these grid systems i'd say is kind of permanent magic that is automated is that the best way to put it yeah 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 so, you know, it does have merit. Um, I've seen people do effective ones um, that are set up as protective grids. Um, they're charged in a very different way. They don't use crystals for starters. 
Um, mm. So they are integrated with the land in order to make them work permanently. But yeah, you, um, I always advise that obviously, you know, if you've got a permanent system like that, um, that those grids get dirty. You know, it may stop certain things coming through, but then if you've got something that can overpower the grid or is small enough to sneak through the grid, then you, you still have to be constantly watching. And you also need to be kind of checking it and, and cleaning that because, you know, um, even if you get one of those fly zappers, all the dead flies sit in the bottom of it. So you still have to clean it out on a regular basis. So, that you know, but generally, yeah, like you say, that you're talking about a system that kind of runs itself, has its own alarm system in it for when it's being triggered. And it's something that you can kind of routinely um, inspect and recharge, I guess. When I was at school, we used to have to design, because I did system and control and electronics, so we used to have to design basic systems. And obviously, it's logic-driven. So it was a logic-driven system, much like a flowchart. And you would create a program that would go in, you know, those little black chips with the little legs look like kind of spidery woodlice things. We used to have to design programs, download them into the little pick chips, and then attach those to circuit boards, and then they'd run a thing. Um, and obviously, the more okay. we kind of got points or were assessed on how many... Um, I don't know what you'd probably put it as, but you've got to come up with every scenario, I suppose. So if you're designing a little machine or something like that, yeah. then you're really, you know what you want the machine to do, but there are going to be different factors. Sometimes things won't quite work out. Sometimes they will. So I made this little putting machine and stuff like that, where you'd hit the ball doing putting for goal. And then it was designed to basically send your ball back. But you had to design like a chip that would yeah. run it. You know, security alarms and things like that are a really, really good one for that sort of thing. Yeah. Because they're logic based. Is there something in the room? Yeah, but it's set the alarm off. It's one of those Is it a cat valve? You have to debug. Don't set the alarm off. So, you know, it's stuff yeah. like that. It can get super complicated, but the idea is a logic-based system that if something happens, it does something or it reacts and it kind of channels energy that way. So what's some of the most simplest ones that you've come across that you've not made yourself, that you've just kind of seen other people make? Maybe little, talk a little bit about when you might see them out and about and maybe never even realise Yeah, so kind of like you see them with kind of spaces that have been created for communal work. I find those are the ones you see the most frequently, um, where they're kind of mini versions of like Stonehenge, but not in a true sense, but in a, a they hold a certain level of energy and they kind of cloak it often mm. in the in a kind of um, what you call it glamour magic yeah. that makes it un you makes you unaware of that the fact that it's there so those sorts of things that are kind of unless you're tuned in and used to seeing those things they wouldn't even even you know to a mundane they'd walk past them um but it stops them walking through the zone so you know it keeps it maintained and allows you to kind of you know 
not trip to the circuit and it kind of sends out an energy that makes you avoid it. So those are some of the best ones I've seen. And then I've also seen people use them for two kinds of protection. So even kind of, you know, kind of permanent home setups where you have grids within grids within grids so that you've got like fail safe within fail safe. And then you've obviously got a permanent panic room is the best ones I've seen that kind of create these kind of around about a working space or something like that, that then has kind of perimeter fences around that. Um, but you, you have to be careful with things like that because they can start to become a bit much like a prison if you're not making sure the energy is allowed to throw th you know flow through every now and again and kind of recharge and reset up. And then I suppose the other one is these kind of temporary grids that you throw down, like I was talking about before, which is probably the only way I would probably come close to using them, is when I throw wards down when you're in a space that you don't want to be seen. Um, so, you know, if you're going into a spirit-infested psychic um, rat's nest that's kind of like, a, I don't know, a psych ward or, you know, some of these old abandoned buildings where crazy people have been, um, you know, those sorts of, uh, you know, psychiatric facilities that are long gone, abandoned, but they've still got an air about them. And I've seen people kind of go into investigate, and I don't mean paranormal investigators, I mean, actual witches going in to investigate and they are seeing and kind of going, okay, I need a workspace. I need the pop-up workspace right now. So I've seen people use those in those sorts of ways, but I don't know whether or not I'd call those grids. They're kind of a bit of a hybrid. Um, so they kind of make sense calling them a grid, but they're not really a grid, if that makes sense. It's kind of a pop-up workspace rather than... Um, you know, a grid within a grid within a grid. It's a, you know, the same way you do a magic circle, just a different shape. Like essentially that's what that is. Well, the definition of grid is a network of lines that cross each other to form a series of squares or rectangles or a framework of space bars that are parallel to or cross each other. So essentially the takeaway from this, I think, if you're talking magically, like with the circuits, you're talking a group of objects or things that interact with each other to create a barrier or to absorb or to interact with an environment. Because the idea kind of like if you think satellites, one satellite will get you coverage over the world, but will uh, move around. But if you've got enough satellites that they're all working together for your GPS, you've got coverage all over the world. That's the best way of thinking about it. Permanently. But yeah. it gets more complicated in if you're thinking about kind of electronics, each of those components that are in a circuit do something different. Whereas if it's light, a grid of lights all of those lights potentially might do the same thing they might just light up but at the same time it might be a bit more sophisticated and some things might light up others might not and it might spell something out so you're talking groups of normally i find there's something tangible involved with laying grids because you could potentially obviously do it in the astral but most of the grids i tend to see people use it's reinforced with something physical so, you know, the ideas I see a lot with protection magic, normally with grids, 
um and the crit can be used a lot more than that i think the mistake i see people make is when they certainly they look at sacred sites and things or permanent let's say permanent grids put down and they automatically look and they think ah, that must be protection that must be to fortify a boundary when actually when we talk about evocation we talk about creating certain environments you could use a grid system to maintain an environment permanently if you wanted to maintain some sort of doorway or something like that to another realm or you wanted to maintain an area say you do a lot of necromantic work with the dead well you don't want to keep on having to you know put a lot of maintenance into creating an area for the dead to manifest in instead you might use a grid now let's talk graveyards yeah and then after graveyards like one of those yeah oh yeah ufo bloody people um we should talk graveyards because that'll probably be a basic and then when we go into the patreon i want to talk sacred sites in general and then maybe some egyptian temples and that sort of thing but um yeah the idea of the graveyard graveyards retain a certain energy but that energy doesn't necessarily leave that place does it and we have no. In graveyards, there's to a certain extent, much like churches or temples and that, there are certain specific layouts. And the the trick with grids, I think, is the laying out. People don't necessarily notice a grid. Mundanes don't notice a grid necessarily by the energy. A lot of them will notice things by repeating patterns. Why is that there? Why is there so many columns that way and so many columns that way? Oh, it's a mystery. It's a mathematical mystery. No, it's not. It's for a specific reason. You just don't understand it. Graveyards is something quite simple, really, um, to start off with. But you can go, the further I think you go into investigating the energy of graveyards, particularly modern ones, um, the darker and more sinister I think it becomes because think about what a graveyard is it's a place where you bury dead people what would you want to use a graveyard for if it was a machine or if a graveyard was a machine what would that machine do and when you start thinking about that And then you go to a graveyard and you look it out for, okay, what's the grid system? How does this work? What's the energy going on there? Go into certain graveyards, you'd get a shock. (laughs) And I don't mean an electric shock, although you might get that as well. Well, you might do. It it depends on how recent the burials are. That constant cycle of, oh, well, those have been dead long enough now. We can reuse that space starts to make it look more like a recycling centre um, rather than a place of rest and quiet contemplation. Well, I mean, a lot of pe- the mundanes would say, oh, graveyard's scary, don't like that. All of these boundaries and guardians are to keep the dead away from me so that their dead don't leave the graveyard type thing. So it's almost like a playpen, you know? You drop your kids off at the playpen and then they can't get out until you go along and let them out type thing. Um, but actually, when you go to a lot of graveyards, yeah. you'll find that 
it may be a little bit more sinister than that. The Christian graveyards, if you look at the way they're laid out and the grid systems that they use, there's some scary secrets there that we're basically running out of time on the regular edition of the podcast. So I think I might have to reveal those secrets on the Patreon, Chris. It's a shame, isn't it? That I cannot talk about these things in the next minute. And, and that I'm going to have to go over to extra time to do... Let's face it. All they've got to think about is paying yeah. a couple of quid and they can listen to I it mean, some people life. would say we plan this, Chris. Some people would say, well, you could give us the basic gist of this super secret thing in graveyards that I've never really thought about that is going to be an epiphany in like a minute or so. But instead, you two are just guessing and talking and telling people to join the Patreon. I'm thinking that this is some sort of way of you getting me to to join the Patreon and give you money. What do you say to those sorts of people, Chris? I say, why not? Yeah. So if you want people out there charge a hell of a lot more for a lot less. If you want the mystery that uh, many witches have noticed about graveyards and their real purpose not just a storage facility of the dead, their real purpose, the sinister purpose, then you're going to have to join the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. If you do join, you also get mentoring from us. So, you know, it's not just about listening to the extended editions. You also get, even on the minimum tier, you get to chat with us. And, like, if you take us on as your mentors, we'll set you all sorts of cool homework and shit, some of which might be involved making a grid and tinkering with ones. So there we go. We're out we're spending of time, all the time now. In graveyard. We're, we're, we're out of time now, so we'll have to say goodbye to the regular listeners of the Thoth. Uh, what is this? The New Horse Part Witchcraft <laughs> podcast. Bye, everyone. Yeah. And obviously with the patrons, I don't know what's going on. Hopefully this has been all right, because Chris is currently, like we kind of alluded to, he's still at work at the cult, and he's having to use cult Wi-Fi. And I'm wondering if cult Wi-Fi is uh, is a little behind with the times or what? Or was it just the energy build up of all those trapped souls that are still in the cult and cannot leave? Are they zapping the Wi-Fi signal to survive? Potentially. There also happens to be a reunion going on at the moment. So for people that have long left the cult and have come back to spend time with people that are still at the cult, so, you know, it's a bit different tonight. So it might be that the energy is being pulled up into the into the woods where they're, where they're having their party. Ah. Well, a reunion of those that have passed and then come back. That, to me, sounds more like a haunting. <laughs> okay, get to the point. Come on, you promised big words now. You, you said massive reveal. So you best... You best Put your money where your mouth is, Liam. Right, so I, I'm going to dedicate this a little piece of information to our friend, the Dark Pastor, because I was talking to her, and okay. I'm waiting for her to start tinkering, because obviously she used to be a Christian. And although she kind of stays away from Christian magic and doesn't have that much of an interest, she, I think she has developed a little interest with tinkering with magic like we did have talks about her going back to church just to absorb all the energy of the prayers and that to charge artifacts and things 
Um, and I'm I, I know we've been to the graveyard with her and she's noticed a couple of things about energy centers and stuff around the graveyard and she's getting very very well read and more importantly is practicing actual magic compared to a lot of these i read book i read witches um and i'm wondering whether uh i read tinkering with some graveyards might reveal some secret information because there's an idea within Christianity, obviously, of going to heaven and dedicating yourself and going to heaven, yeah? But then there's also this idea, and I think in um, the best way I've seen this displayed on TV and film is that Stargate. Did you ever watch Stargate, Chris? Um, Where they had the Ori? And the Ori are like yeah. ascended beings, yeah, and then they get energy boosts by yeah, people praying. I only really watched the Atlantis version, but they were in that too. Yeah. So basically, if you think about the idea that a lot of people do, they think if I've been baptized or I dedicate myself to the Jesus or the church and that, that kind of stipulates a magical contract. Yeah. And then they kind of do this thing of reverse baptisms and stuff you can fill out paperwork and stuff i think we're going to do a reverse baptism kit or something like that we're working on i know um with one of lady poison's reverse crucifixes in made out of silver i think that's got to go in really um yeah anyway we'll we'll keep you apprised with that project but basically the the idea is that you dedicate yourself to yahweh and then eventually maybe yahweh will collect and bring you to heaven to serve yahweh for eternity because that's what Christians want, isn't it? Um, sitting on a cloud singing Kumbaya. Or is it really melting in a pot and powering uh, the dude's um, bachelor pad? Is that what heaven's really like? Who knows? Maybe you'll have to go there and find out. But if we're taking the approach of Yahweh wants to maintain power, and the church, more importantly, probably wants to maintain power... How are they going to enforce that contract? Well, you can tell a lot about what the church and magicians and the like that set up these systems care about by the lengths they go to to ensure certain things happen at certain times. And when you look into kind of traditions within uh, religions and stuff like that, and specifically surrounding rites of passage, contracts, stuff like that. And you really think, why is that that they're doing that? And then you go and explore it more importantly, kind of from an energetic and a witch perspective. You could think, okay, so we kind of know from experience and stuff like that, that there is a kind of naturalist system of what happens to a soul and a person when they die. So how would you then go and interfere with that? And why would you want to interfere with that? Well, imagine how batteries work. Have you ever seen those battery packs, Chris, where you put all of the little batteries in and then, you know, they power something? If you think about a graveyard, almost like a battery, it's like that Matrix film, <laughs> except rather than living things, it's dead things. If you create, because I've done this before, we had a, I had a client that um, 
that wanted this done, to maintain and stop their soul from dissolving after they physically pass away. And we essentially designed a crystal, uh, uh, not a crystal grid, it was a magical grid, and it did involve one or two crystals, but they weren't really part of the grid. That was really just kind of like a, I don't know, it was there to look pretty. Um, it was a system designed to stop the person's soul from dissolving, to maintain power, to keep that energy, that link, the circuit from where their physical body goes kaput and starts to disintegrate and dissolve and rot away to keep that kind of whole system intact. Well, if you wanted to actually create a hell, one of the simplest ways of doing that is to create a circuit which pulls souls and maintains them and linking to them. Every time you put the body in that circuit, you're like adding another battery or adding another light bulb generally speaking it's both because in the situation whereby say you did want to create a synthetic hell or something like that you it would require a lot of energy wouldn't it chris you'd have to basically design a kind of subverse sub-universe at the very least yeah so you want that at the very least didn't have to have a pocket you would want that to be done permanently you wouldn't want yourself or someone else constantly maintaining that so whatever you do it needs to be a self-contained kind of system that runs automatically one of the great ways of doing that with interfering after people die is because the egyptians kind of did a lot about this sort of thing with mummification and stuff and we see a lot of attempts of interfering with the death process with lots of magical practitioners but if you get the idea of, okay, if this is a circuit, this graveyard, and plugging a new person or a new soul into it means burying them in this sacred space, in this grid formation, then you can start to see a circuit coming out of that. And if you pay attention to the energy and what's going on there, you can kind of see what's going on. Also, if you look into kind of the legal ramifications and the mundane laws that have been set up, you can kind of also see that, okay, so you're only allowed in this graveyard if you're Catholic, or you're only allowed in for this reason, yeah. you're only allowed in for that reason. What do you mean even the government aren't allowed to come along and dig a grave up without first having permission from not just the government department, but also from the church themselves, and the church can say no? You know, think about the rigmarole that people have put in too. And generally speaking, you're talking proper magicians at this point, not your local pleb vicars. You're talking about much like in a business structure, business organization, the people at the top, the board of directors, they're the ones with the vision. They know what's going on. They create little um, policies normally and procedures that the little managers and that they go in and act act them they go and do it and the equivalent of this if you're thinking something big like the church if you believe they are occultists and that are all trying to do some magical stuff then there'll be people near the top that are deciding and designing all these things and then training up all of your local parish priests and vicars and reverends and the like to just go out and do it so next time you're in a graveyard start thinking of that graveyard as a circuit and then 
become an engineer, a medical engineer, and try and not necessarily take it apart, but try and see if you can tell what the machine's designed to do. And then compare and compress, contrast different machines. Go to one type of graveyard, look in there. Go to another type, look in there. And then maybe you could even study some really ancient ones and then look at what the, the process is there. Is it the same? Is it the same technology? Maybe, maybe not. Is it the same use? Are they working the same way? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? That's a little bit of homework for people to go and do some investigation in. Be exciting, won't it, Chris? Yeah, definitely. There's also the kind of part of actually going and actually looking at, because a lot of this is based on sacred, you know, sacred geometry. So, you know, it is a case of going and having a look at how some of these temple complexes were set up and how they're mirrored in the methods that the church now use or have used for, you know, since they pretty much decimated the physical realm of the uh, of a lot of these ancient cults. So, you know, as a lot of these sites now have churches on them. Um, so, you know, particularly in this part of the world. So, you know, there is a there is a working circuit there and understanding exactly how it works, what the transmutation part of that psychic of that circuit is and how it operates and how that you can borrow from it. You know, is there ways of hooking in and borrowing some to charge your phone kind of situation? You know, could you use um, part of that system and tap in or is it a closed circuit? Circuit. You know, these sorts of explorations are things that you need to go and have a look at, depending on which denomination or which religion they've actually come from. Um, you know, majority of these are going to be from the Abrahamics. Um, so, you know, they've all got Yahweh in mind. So, you know, they will follow certain principles that have been adopted by that system. But, you know, it is interesting to go and see some of these and then go and compare them to some of the sacred sites you've got in other parts of the world that I'm sure you've been on your jollies too, and go back and actually look at how some of these, these floor maps are set up to some of these so-called tombs or so-called temples. So, you know, and see actually what the similarities are and what, what's different. Um, you know, you can go to some of these bases and that palpable energy is still there and it's not powered on dead bodies. So, you know, so actually think about what the difference is, how they operate. Is there a reason that the church don't like people operating uh, within necromantic works? You know, so start to think, start to think a little bit more about it and peel away some of the curtains there. And you will be able to study it because it's a repetition of pattern, so. But Chris, Surely the church, whose primary kind of magical <laughs> magical area is necromancy, would love other people dealing with necromancy, wouldn't they? Well, not if you're going to tamper with their system. Exactly. Right, so there's a, something that we need to go into because obviously you mentioned sacred sites and we did say we'd talk a little bit about that. So I'm thinking... There's time to get elitist now because we're on the Patreon. And um, there's something that kind of annoys me a little bit. Okay, well, there, obviously, we all know there's a lot of things that annoy me, particularly about the neo-pagans. Yeah, but there's one individual. thing. 
this one thing in particular kind of annoys me and it kind of shows the level of um practice that certain individuals have so we get in the neo-pagan book section or in the magical book section in waterstones amazon barnes and noble whatever all of these books about people obsessed with stone circles and layouts and things like that and they always say the same old shit which is normally is something to do with astrology and well this church is on top of an ancient pagan site and it's laid out in a similar fashion why is this laid out in a similar fashion well i think it's got something to do with this sun rising here something to do with it there something to do with this solstice something to do with that blah 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 and you kind of think at what point are you thinking about what you're going to use it for and if you can't think of any ways that you can actually utilize it then the chances are you're probably not going to figure out how they utilized it so if i pick up some sort of device that i've i've never seen before maybe it's like some sort of swiss army knife or something like that i might understand and be able to say well that looks like a knife part that makes sense but that spirally thing i ain't got a fucking clue what that is but i am going to use it to open up my bottles of wine and then kind of think well actually it does it's pretty good at pulling corks out of wine bottles and then i do a bit more research in that and i find oh well other people are doing that foundational up so a lot of these crystal grid systems and a lot of the ancients yes they built great temples and all sorts of things like that but they were very 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 foundation up people so all of the energies or if you want to understand what a temple complex was all about you probably need to look no further than the foundations because from the get-go when you have a purposefully designed building temple area site whatever the basics of the foundations and the layout is going to tell you a huge amount about how your crystal how your grid's going to work essentially so when you look at a lot of these temple complexes and i quite like the egyptian method um because it displays it quite easily i think people overcomplicate egyptian um temples and stuff because they go on and on about maths and not maths so isn't my strong point numbers isn't really my thing but obviously you can display everything within numbers and mathematics and that sort of thing is language isn't it but looking at the inner sanctum and then the middle sanctum and then the outer sanctum and then where the plebs are outside you can kind of see the flow of energy and you can kind of see the initiatory grades and then you can also see energies that are supposed to be held there and because you're talking kind of that system is still there to this day the foundations of a lot of these sites are still there even if the roofs aren't on that the energy still lingers there so you can still kind of pick it up it's like you know when you see lakes that are drained of water but you go there and there's still big puddles everywhere and there's still the kind of rippling and you can see where everything is i mean people go in deserts don't they um scientists will go in deserts and they'll be able to tell by rocks and rock formations and stuff that oh this was once a lake or this was once underwater and stuff like that um and 
thinking about that from a temple complex, you don't necessarily need to see the roof, all of the little gargoyles and um, uh, possibly whatever you'd say, runes or hieroglyphics or anything like that. You don't really necessarily need that to understand what the basics of the place would have been used for. Yeah, it's like source code for mobile phones and stuff like that. If you can read the source code, the base layer, then you'll be able to get a lot, even if you don't see the structure of what it looks like when you switch the fucker on and the user interface loads up yeah. and that. And that's which is, brings me on to my, I think, my last point. Witches as above, so below. I tend to think of witches almost like computer hackers. And this kind of world of the astral world and the systems that we live in nowadays are very similar. We have the internet age. Back in the day, we had the astral world. The astral world who tinkers about with the fabric of creation, while well, witches and the like often do, who tinkers about with the fabric of the internet and technology, while well, hackers do. Are there good witches or bad witches? Well, there's such a thing as black hat and white hack, uh, white hat when it comes to hackers, isn't there? Are you a black hat? A black, I can never say it. a black hat hacker or a white hat hacker, and then they normally would say like me a grey. I'm grey. I kind of mix in between them. You can liken a lot of these kind of things. Depending on who claims the most. Is mirrored. But I think witches don't often think of themselves like that. I think we do professional witchcraft. And a lot of it that we tend to get associated with is cunning folk and, and that kind of thing. And then other people are... Um, they tend to associate more with religious styles of things. That kind of stuff. But actually... I think the witch, from a classical perspective, when we're talking classical witchcraft, is more like a computer hacker than a religious person or cunning folk. They're a lot more that they are out there to tinker. Some of them tinker yeah, to improve the system, the system works. and, you know, try to improve the system. Some people tinker to a cause of trouble, and some people are employed by companies you know, or temple complexes or religions or gods and stuff. So think of yourselves more like a computer hacker. And I think that might make your magical practice, particularly for the beginners, it will get you more of a kind of grasp on magical approaches. Because it is about tinkering, I think, isn't it? That's where people make the progress. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah, think... where people try and bend rules or change yeah. things. Because a lot of people, particularly within the occult world, like to think of themselves as scientists. And they're not scientists. Because scientists, generally, no. they are trying to perfect the system so that they can teach other people, so that the knowledge base. If we all know about viruses, we can counteract them, we can teach that in universities. Yeah. Witches ain't like that. Witches are out for their own game. Or they form little factions like computer hackers, by the way, because they also do that work on little projects together. It's a lot more like that, where you're tinkering and then when you make a reputation and a name, you know? And much yeah. like computer hackers, reputation, name, facade, yeah. you know? You do something and then you're famous for it. Normally fucking stuff up. Yeah. I'm and famous for it. 
And how do we spot how do we spot another witch's work? Their signature. Yeah. Coding. You know, that little bit of finesse yeah. that allows that coding finesse that makes you go, Oh, I know who's been yeah. here. Um, if you've heard of them before, then you know where it is. You know, like me and my uh, my rose quartz. You know, it is it is a, a signature that by reputation, you know, actually I probably shouldn't touch that. Um, because I've heard down the grapevine those things aren't safe. Um, you know? Yeah. Even even based on the fact that you don't necessarily know I've been there. What you're actually doing is preempting the fact, oh, I've, that code looks familiar. Um, I best not touch that. I know what happens if if I do. Um so yeah, so I, 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 t- I totally I'm on board with that. We're not scientists at all because we're not in f- in it for the greater good. We're in it for seeing what we can push, what rules can be broken, and if we can manage to do this without it all blowing up in our face. So you know, it's it's not about scientific method where you want to share it with somebody else. I suppose you could probably compare Llewellyn to a scientist. Um, they like to publish their research all the time, rehashed from other people's research. Oh, that's so not bloody maybe research. They are a scientific paper. That's just copy and pasting. They they think, oh well, we've we've sold a certain amount on this knowledge and this principle. Well, if we just rehash it in a different cover, with a different face and author's name, we might as well just sell the same information again because there's such a thing as universal truth, of course, isn't it? So if we've got loads of books saying the same thing, then that's loads of people saying the same thing. Therefore, it's right, isn't it? The intention. Then it really is all about the intention, technically. But there we go. I think we're almost out of time. So um but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're actually achieving. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So Witch Wars 3, obviously, I think is coming to the end now. I think you've got another week or two, is it? So obviously get cracking on yeah, doing your evocation that. stuff. And grid systems, again, we kind of alluded to grid systems being used to retain energy. So if you're having troubles with the kind of ecosystem and the habitat and helping that spirit to manifest, then maybe a crystal grid. I keep saying crystal grid because I'm programmed to say fucking crystal grid because of all these fucking Llewellyn books yeah. now. Some sort of magical grid system may help with that. Yeah. So some kind of magical grid system. Yeah. Yeah. A network, a circuit board. So, yeah, so just finally for the last five minutes, then, is there anything else that we want to touch on or add? Because I am kind of getting the impression that we didn't really explain anything about (laughs) grid systems. We got the basics of it, but I don't think we've talked about actually how you'd go about laying one out. And I'm wondering if our uh, friend who's doing... At the end of the day, that's not what this is about. Well, I suppose. We we aren't out to teach on the no holds barred, no holds, are we? No, no holds barred. Okay. We're not teaching on the no holds barred. We're about dropping nuggets, golden nuggets of information that they can go and figure shit out for themselves. So, you know, we have hit grid, grid work. We have crit, hit uh, temple complexes, circuit boards, hacking. I think we've covered a lot in this session. Don't, don't knock it. Um, but yeah, it's it be a case of whether or not you, if you're struggling with understanding then some of this, obviously you're on the Patreon, just throw us a line and we can create either create new content that serves everybody 
or we can have that conversation specifically with you. But at the end of the day, grids aren't for everybody. If you don't have a, a brain that kind of processes information in that way, then a grid isn't necessarily going to suit your way of practicing. So, but obviously it will depend on, on exactly what you're trying to achieve. Like Liam just alluded to, if you're doing which Wars 3 and you're having trouble with creating an environment, then you have you have a potential to play with that option. Um, you know, creating an ecosystem that is going to support the sorts of spirit work that you're trying to pull into that space. So, you know, you, you do have some wiggle room with that. Um, equally, not at the end of the day, it's kind of the main point to take back from today's session is more a case of saying, actually, grids do a lot more than protect. So they have the potential to do a lot more than protect. So the question is, what are you able to do? How are you able to hack the system in order to actually allow that to channel energy for a, a created space? So, you know, and that space doesn't need to be a sacred space that you are creating. It could be a battery system that allows you to funnel energy into a particular project. It doesn't necessarily need to all be about creating space for working on something. You know, grids have, have a, a great way of setting up in terms of, you know, more than just a, you know, a box. If you are going to consider an actual circuit board system, you're going to have to have, a, you know, an intelligence in there. You're going to have to be able to channel and store energy around a system like that and, and be able to charge it up. So, you know, you need to be able to hit all that once. So, you know, it is complex work, which is probably why most people stick to the grid for protection, because that's what Llewellyn and Scott Cunningham probably said. Um, but I've already been told off for, for uh, misquoting uh, Scott Cunningham this week. So yeah, They don't like it when you pick on the Wiccan Messiah, Chris. I am curious to know, though, from you, Pete, no, hashtag we so if we were to give away the secrets of something whether it's a technique or something like super high level you want us to completely give it away not allude to it not kind of give a little bit of golden nuggets but literally to say this is how it works do this 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 and you'll get a hundred percent success i'm curious to know exactly what that would be what area of magic would you want that what would be the area that you'd think you would want that kind of it's like the um like on who wants to be a millionaire when you've got like the ask the audience button in the you know 50 50 and all that if you were able to cheat and get the answer what area of magic would you want us to give away the answer to you know i'd be curious so either you can leave a comment below i'm not going to promise that we're going to do it but i'm very very curious to know what it would be so leave a comment below or you can stick it in the no holds barred witchcraft facebook group under obviously this week's podcast little graphic which i'm gonna have to use some sort of yeah. gooey nasty new agey crystal grid or something for aren't i i'm gonna have to find one to use as a photo for it Meta. Metatron's oh, cube. I have to use Metatron's cube with as many rose quartz on as I can find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, that's cool. Right. Okay. So everyone, good night or goodbye, 
If you're listening in the day, goodbye. If you're listening at night time, sleep tight. Good day, good morning. Yeah, and we will be back next week. I don't know what we're doing next week. Are we going to do this thing that a certain someone asked? Hashtag defend occult books. Is that next week's? Probably should be, shouldn't it? Because it's still relevant. Then. Possibly, but I think both of us need to actually do some research. We'll do some research on this hashtag occult books thing. And we'll do a podcast. Check out the Insta Witches we'll to make sure. Yeah, we'll check out what the Insta Witches are saying about it. And then we'll do a whole podcast on it, which means I'm going to have to read Insta Witch articles on Pathos or some shit like that, aren't I, Chris? Oh, God. Possibly. Or you can make me do it, I guess. Okay, you do it and I'll question you. Okay. okay. Goodbye, everyone. Okay.